Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to see y'all and to be with y'all, and I apologize for my crackly voice. It's been a while now that I've had it gone. I can't find it. Um, so I'm excited to worship with y'all today, and I have a few announcements. I did forget something. We're going to watch a video first. I wasn't supposed to come yet. Do we have a soul that survives our physical demise? It was the most ambitious investigation of my life. Can near-death experiences tell us anything reliable about life after death? And why should we trust what Jesus tells us about heaven and about hell? Jesus dice, yo soy el camino, la verdad y la vida. They are trying to find some way to live on beyond their death. They're running out of time. The whole point of the resurrection is that I wouldn't have to fear it in a sense of, oh no, what's going to happen next? I didn't really care whether I was going to heaven or hell. I have absolutely no idea what happens after we die. There's something that it is to be us. There's something that it is like to be you. When we die, we leave our natural bodies, but we're still ourselves. It's life on steroids. It's life beyond anything we've experienced. That typewriter could magically send a message to young Lee that started here. What would you tell him? Oh, man, I think I'd say, Keep seeking, the truth is out there. This is my case for heaven. So this is the movie that we will be watching, um, we'll be going to see on Wednesday, A Case for Heaven. Pastor Russ has been leading this study on Wednesdays and Sundays for the past good while, and I'm so excited. What awesome timing is it that it is now in theaters this week um, for a short time. So Wednesday night, we will not have any events here, but we will meet at the movie theaters. So we're going to, some of us, I hope you can join us. We'll eat at Chick-fil-A beforehand to have fellowship, and then we will watch the movie after. The, um, the ticket prices and everything is in the bulletin, and you can get your tickets when you get there. Um, this will be kids as well. And you, my, some of my children are going. I know I've had a lot of families ask. Um, the younger ones probably can't sit through it, but it's appropriate for all ages. Okay, another little bit of announcements. Next Sunday is our big event for Easter and Earl Community Day. We are so excited. Everyone has been working hard, and this coming week we'll continue to. Um, if you're volunteering, I'd love for all of you to get here about 3 o'clock to help set up and get um, your, the stations that you're working at and your volunteer things um, in order. It starts at 4 o'clock. Um, if you are going to help with the cookies and brownies, please sign up for those. We still need a few more volunteers to sign up. Um, and Sandy, if you wanted to contact her with how many you're doing, that would be wonderful if you didn't write it. Um, let's see. There are several other announcements in the bulletin I'd like for you to make sure you see. And then tonight is our Mission Matters, kind of a kickstart for mission groups. So please join us in the Hope Center at 6 o'clock. And if you're part of a mission group or if you used to be and you want to get that started back again or if you're newer and you've not ever been a part of a group um, and you want to get in touch with what we're doing here, coming up at the end of the month is Spring Into Missions. If you want to be a part of that, please come tonight at 6 so that we can plan and get that going. And let's pray. 
magnificent Heavenly Father, we are in awe of you, of your beauty, of your forgiveness, of your grace. And this time, especially, we remember, Lord, your sacrifice and the magnitude of that. We pray for this, this hour of worship, Lord, that we not let it go to waste, that we not come here in order, to, in order to see people or to talk or to check it off our list, Lord, but we are here deliberately, Lord, to change who we are to look more like you, that we repent before you, God, that we, that we put all of our things holding us away from you aside and worship you, that we think of you and the cross and all that you've done for us in our time of worship, Lord, that we praise your name. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. Peace. 
Have you been made new in Christ? If you have, is your heart still on fire for Christ? Or is it cold? Is it turning cold? Has it grown cold over the time? <clears throat> this morning we're coming uh, to the, the, the series uh, 316 is coming to an end as we've worked our way from Genesis to Revelation. And today we'll finish up that series in Revelation chapter 3. <clears throat> if you want to turn to that chapter, go ahead and we'll, we'll be there in just a moment. Uh, but all of, for the last year, to bring us up to this point, to ask the question, are we on fire for the Lord or have we grown cold? At the beginning of the pandemic a couple of years ago, one of the metrics that, that, uh, that was used to determine if you could enter into a building was, uh, was to take your temperature, right? And so everywhere you went, people were shooting you in the head with a thermometer to see if, if your temperature was, was normal or high or low. Or, and if it was hot, what happened? You sent, they sent you home. You didn't get to come in, did you? And, and so for whatever reason, uh, whether you were sick or not, if your temperature was high, out of range, yeah, they sent you home. You weren't allowed to come in. And as it is with the kingdom of God, though, it's different from things of the world. You see, the kingdom of God says you need to be hot to get into the kingdom of God, not cold, not lukewarm. And so we're going to find that story in Revelation chapter 3. We find as, as uh, in Revelation that the Apostle John had been uh, banished to the Isle of Patmos, and uh, there it was, it was there that he received the revelation from Jesus. And so the entire book is written by John of what God revealed to him, and he writes that letter to us. We find in, in chapters 2 and 3 where there's a message, there are letters to the churches, to the seven churches in Asia Minor, and he writes to the churches. To the church of Ephesus, he writes, you're a loveless church. You don't love me anymore. You do good works. They're working hard in, in my name, but, but you're not working out of love for me. And, and so he tells them to repent and return to their first love, which is Jesus. His letter to the second church is Smyrna. And there the, the church is going through great persecution and, and suffering. And, and he tells that church, he, he encourages them. He says, don't, don't fear the suffering, but remain faithful to the end. And then to the church of Pergamos, they were compromising their faith and they had fallen to idolatry. And they were called, Jesus called them to repent of their sins, to return to the way they should. Thyatira. Uh, they were a, a corrupt church, an adulterous and an immoral church. False teachers and false leaders were, were leading that church and they were, they were called to repent and to cleanse themselves from the sexual immorality that's going on, that was going on in the church. And into the church of Sardis, <clears throat> it was spiritually dead. And into that church, Jesus said, wake up, wake up and repent. Wake up and repent. The church at Philadelphia, though, it was a faithful church. And he didn't condemn them, but he, he encouraged them in their faithfulness. 
And so if we look at the, those six churches, I think even today we can see evidence of, of those churches in our world today, in our country today, and I dare say even in our state or in our county today. And that brings us to the church of Laodicea. The name Laodicea means a people judged. Laodicea was a, was a large uh, and a wealthy city. It had a, a large and an intricate uh, banking system, and it was, it was well known for its manufacturing. There was a lot of manufacturing on, uh, going on there. They, they, they had a rare source of black wool. Um, and so a lot of people, most everybody there wore black because of the availability of the black wool. But the church of Laodicea, he writes in, in Revelation chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, turn with me there, beginning in, in, in verse 14. To the church of Laodicea, the angel of the church in Laodicea write this. These are the words of Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And he says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and, and, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. White clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you could see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and, dis and discipline. So be earnest and repent. And he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's a powerful word indeed. When we read about the other churches, if we had spent time and gone back and read through the letters to each of the other six churches, we see that, that Jesus begins telling them at the offset what they're doing. And He addresses the church and says, listen, here's what you're doing good. I wonder today if Jesus were to write a letter to New Hope. I wonder what He would say. New Hope, this is what you're doing good. And He does that at every church before he lays out what's wrong with them. He tells them what's good, what he's pleased with, and then he points out what their shortcomings are. But to the church of Laodicea, he doesn't do that. He, man, he lights into them. He lets them know right from the beginning what's going on, that he's not pleased at all. I wonder how the letter to New Hope might read. New Hope, I'm pleased with this aspect of your church, with this aspect of, of your ministry, but, but you're falling wayfully short in this area. Amen. Here's where your shortcomings are. Here's what you need to approve, improve upon. And so we take that down from, from the church 
from New Hope down to us individually. What are you doing good? What am I doing good? What do I need improvement in? What do you need improvement in? But we see right here that, 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 that you can tell by the time he gets to the seventh letter to the church and, and to the church of Laodicea, he's had it with them. And he says in verse 15, he says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. And I wish, I wish you were either one or the other because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Amen. Some translation says, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. And you see that on the front of your bulletin. That's a great depiction of, uh, of the image of Jesus spewing the church of Laodicea out of his mouth. In our world, there are things that, that we keep cold and things that we keep hot. We have refrigeration and, and air condition. We have heat and, and furnaces. And I would prefer, personally, a, a cold can of Mountain Dew, okay, rather than one that's just been sitting out all day, okay, that has gotten to be room temperature. But, of course, the church at, at Laodicea, they didn't, they didn't have that luxury, do they? They, they didn't have the luxury of, the air condition and the refrigerants that we have today. In fact, they didn't even have their own water supply. And so as usual, Jesus always spoke to the people in terms of what they knew, what they understood, what they could relate to. And so here Jesus uses an analogy that, that hits really close to home to them. He talks to them about being lukewarm. And he compares it to them drinking lukewarm water. And they understood that. Because they, that's all they had. They had neighboring towns on either side of them. And, and one town, uh, in these towns they had cold springs and they had uh, hot springs that, that they got their water from. Okay, and so one would flow down and the other would flow down and they met there in Laodicea, the town of Hierapolis was known for, their, for the healing aspects of their boiling hot uh, springs. In the town of Colossae, well there you could find the refreshing cool springs that was nice to have on a hot summer day. For us it would be like a, a cold can of drink getting it out of the refrigerator. But if you think about it, by the time that water flowed from the cool springs and the and the boiling hot water springs, by the time they got to Laodicea, both water sources had become lukewarm. And their benefits had been lost. The, the, the water had become lukewarm and it had become useless as it, its intended purpose. And so that's what he's comparing the church to. Their lukewarm faith and their lukewarm religion was useless to the kingdom of God. Amen. And he's asking them to check their heart. What's your temperature, church? He says in verse 15 again, he says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot, and I wish you were either one or the other. Because at least if they were cold or they were hot, at least Jesus would know where they stood. 
You can tell someone that's, that's excited about Christ or somebody that's indifferent towards Christ. Someone said, churches and Christians of our day have lost their passion. The cross and the lost no longer move them. They have no passion for the Lord. Wow. You see, the lukewarm churches believed that they were, that they were right, but they were actually indifferent. They were, they were blind to their own spiritual needs. And I wonder for ourselves, when we check our hearts, do we see anything wrong or we think we're okay? Do we see our own spiritual needs? You see, for them, nothing moved them anymore. If people got saved, well, great. If the, the preaching was hot and passionate, well, great. If not, it's okay. They wanted to see growth, but they wouldn't put themselves out to make it happen. The church at Laodicea saw themselves as a pretty good church. In fact, they probably saw themselves as a perfect church, one blessed by God because they had riches and wealth and everything was, was going smoothly. They were powerful and all their needs had, had been met. But the Lord asked them, what's the temperature of your heart? And I would venture to ask us today, what's the temperature of our hearts? What's the temperature of our hearts? Some people of the day would say that the people in Laodicea were, were too good to go to hell and too bad to go to heaven. You see, they weren't hostile towards God, but they weren't zealous for Him either. And Christians today come to church but aren't enthusiastic. They come to worship but have little conviction. They come to church but aren't interested in the projects and the programs. They come to church and give little in support. They come to church but do little to further the gospel. They, they, they go through the motions of worship but are actually worshiping their own achievements and their own selves. They're not completely in or completely out. And it's that kind of heart that disgusts the Lord. When you're not all in, when you're not all out, that one that's riding the fence disgusts the Lord. It says in verse, in, in verse 16, So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. God knew how to get their attention. They, God, God knew what meant the most to them. God knew what their city was, their church was at its core. And he says in verse 17, he says, Oh, you say I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. To the rich city... Filled with wealth, he says, you are poor. To the place renowned for its, for its medical expertise that relieved blindness, he says, you're blind. You can't see your own spiritual needs. And to the people famous for their fine clothing and their rare black wool, he said, you, you, you're walking around in all these fine clothes, but you're naked. 
You can't see it. But Jesus loves. Jesus loves the wretched. Jesus loves the poor, the blind, and the naked. And He loves us too much to keep us where we are. He loves us too much to leave us where we are. And so He makes us an opportunity. He, he, he gives us a choice to make. To say, you can choose to come back to me. And I'm here waiting on you. Or you can choose to go about your own way. But He loves us too much not to give us that option. He loves us too much not to leave us where we are. And He says in verse 18, He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. The gold that's tried in the fire is, is sim, symbolic of faith in the furnace of, of affliction. The white clothes represented the righteousness of Christ that we need to clothe ourselves in. And the eye salve, it, it, it represented the spiritual discontent. And he says in and through that, through, through this passage that, that I can make you whole again. I can make you into the, into the people you need to be, you should be, that I, that I want you to be. But the people had, had lost their, their fire for the Lord. Amen. And they had become lukewarm. What causes something to become lukewarm? It's its surroundings. You see, when, when, when I got here this morning, I poured me a cup of coffee, and man, steam was, was piping off the top of it, and, and it was good. You know, I enjoyed a half of it. And, and then I switched over from, to my Mountain Dew, okay? I had to have that to, to booster my caffeine in the coffee. But they're both now just room temperature. And neither one of them tastes the way that they tasted when I first poured them or opened it. Amen. They don't taste the way that I guess they were intended to taste. You see, it was the surroundings. I, 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 took, them, I took the Mountain Dew out of the cold refrigerator where the, the coldness inside made it cold. You know, the, the, the hot plate on the coffee made the coffee hot. It was surrounding, the, the heat was surrounding the, the coffee. The cold was surrounding the can. And now I brought it out. And you know, it's been sitting here for a couple of hours and, and now it's just room temperature. So it's, a, it's the temperature of the room. You know, it should be about 72 or 73 degrees by, by now. Not 105 or 45 <laughs> What is our temperature? Are the things in our life making us lukewarm Christians? 
You see, I don't think we intentionally become lukewarm in our, in our walk with Christ. But who do we hang around with? Are they other believers? Are they people that, that encourage us in our walk? Or do we hang around those negative people that, that tear you down, that tear the church down, that tell, tear Christ down? We're affected by our surroundings, and so are we involved in, in the ministry of the church? Are we active in the church? Are we, are we having fellowship in the church? Or is our time only on Sunday morning and, and being affected by the rest of the world the other six and a half, three quarters of the day, of the week? Amen. Are our conversations, are they positive or, or negative? Are we spending time with Christ? Are we spending time away from fellowship with Him? Because you see, each of those is our surroundings. And it determines our spiritual temperature to a certain degree. Francis Chan once said, lukewarm people really don't want to be saved from their sin. They just want to be saved from the penalty of their sin. So here, Jesus has, has laid it out for the church at Laodicea. But watch this. Rather than, rather than Jesus turning His back on the church, He comes to the church. Somebody knocks on the door of your house, typically you may look out the window, see who it is. And see, often we know that the Lord is knocking on the heart of our door, but we refuse to answer. Because oftentimes it means He wants us to follow Him. He wants us to be committed to Him, to do something different, to follow Him, maybe in a direction he doesn't want, we don't want to go. Revelation 3.20, when you hear this verse, and I've used this an untold number of times in an evangelistic type setting, offering the gospel to people. He says in verse 20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. But I want you to remember Again, as many times as I've used this, evangelists have used this, remember that this verse is written not to the lost people, but to the church of Laodicea. This verse is written to the Christians in Laodicea. It's written to the lukewarm Christians of the day. It's written to the lukewarm Christians of today. What's our temperature? What's our temperature? Let me ask you this. Do we need to be reheated? It's written to everyone who will hear. In verse 22, he closes that passage out. And he says, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. In verse 20, we find that there's a, a present promise to those who will listen. He says that he stands at the door and knocks. 
That's what you normally hear when somebody comes to your door. But, but maybe a better translation would be, this is Jesus knocking on the door of our heart. You see, he doesn't, the, the idea is that it's not just a few knocks on the door, but he's continually knocking on the door. That he wants somebody to come and answer the door. He wants us to hear and to respond to him. He's not going to force the door open. But he's going to wait on us to open the door. You see, he wants back in the church. He wanted back in the church of Laodicea. He wants back in the church today. You see, this passage is a personal invitation. And it's a personal promise. Jesus does... He doesn't need the entire church to open the door. Look what it says. It says, if everybody, if everyone will open the door. That's not what it says, is it? It says, if anyone. If anyone here this morning hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Then he gives us a powerful promise in, in verse 21. He says, To the one who is victorious, to the one who overcomes, to the one who remains faithful to the end, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. The one who is victorious the one who overcomes the, the difficulties, the persecution, the, the trials of this world, the one that remains faithful to Him to the end, the one who is victorious in the end will sit on the throne with God. Let me ask you this morning, where does, where does this message find you? Where does this message find you today? I'm not talking to the entire church, I'm talking to you personally, individually, where does, where does this message find your heart today? Are we zealous and, and committed to the Lord? Or are we indifferent and apathetic towards God and His church? Is the door of your heart open to Him? Will you open it to Him because He stands at the door and knocks to the lukewarm Christians of Laodicea, of New Oak Baptist Church, of every church today? And so in the end, will we be victorious? Will we be zealous? Will we be faithful to the end? That decision can only be made by you. You know in your heart where your heart is spiritually. You know if it's hot. You know if it's cold. And you know if it's indifferent or lukewarm. And so Jesus said, whatever it is, wherever you are, I want to come in. I want to fire you up. I want to reheat you. I want to stick you in the microwave for a few minutes and heat you back up. Because I want to make you into the person 
that I know you can be, that I want you to be, to be the, the, the person that I made you to be. For God is the potter and we are the clay and He molds us and makes us into what He desires if we are willing. The question is, are we willing to hear His voice, to be changed by the Holy Spirit? As we sing our hymn of invitation, the potter's hand, I, play, I pray that, that, that you would allow your heart to be spoken to, to be received, and to, to receive the Holy Spirit, and to be moved and to be changed by the Holy Spirit. That you would allow Him to make you on fire once again. Almighty God, you are creator of each person here. And Father, we pray right now, God, that you would indeed change our hearts. That you would change us from cold to hot, from lukewarm to hot. Like the the springs in Hierapolis that we would be the boiling hot God that you would use us in your kingdom for kingdom purposes but God we know that that first comes with a broken heart over our sin and our sinfulness God we pray today that you would do just that. You would convict our hearts and change our lives. Lord, hear our hearts, hear our prayers. And may we respond to you in a way that is pleasing to you, the way that you've called us to respond. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.